Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Hi, today I get to introduce you to my friend and fellow podcaster, Amy Fritz. Amy is a mother of two, I believe. And how long have you been? Three. Three. Oh, Scott, Mm -hmm. sorry. I didn't see the picture. And you look very healthy. You say you don't like to cook, are you? can't cook, but you know what? Your family has not died. I see that. They look very healthy. And we'll talk about that later. Maybe I do give free recipes to all my podcast guests. So you are in good company and they're all, and they're all easy. You know why, Amy? Cause I'm not a great cook. I'm just a good cook. Cause I like to eat. So hey, I will yeah. send those to you in about a half an hour when we're through here. Amy Fritz is a podcaster and the name of her podcast is Untangled Faith. And we're going to be talking about that today. Amy, thank you. And welcome uh, to Living a Legacy Life. Thank you, Sue. I am so thrilled to be here. I feel like I am sitting at your table with you. Well, I'm at your virtual table. A virtual table. That's right. And sorry, we don't have donuts, but um, I do love a good donut, but that would be hard to talk through a good donut. Um, You are a recent sort of recent transfer from Minnesota to Tennessee. Tell us about that. Um, Yeah, I grew up in Minnesota. I was there, you know, for the first 30 some years of my life and my husband got a job in the Nashville area. And so in 2012, we moved our whole family, didn't know anybody here. Wow. We just decided, Hey, here, it's a good opportunity. Let's do it. And I got to tell you, Minnesota winters are a whole lot longer than Tennessee winters. Do they have, do they have winter in Tennessee? I am starting to question whether they do. <laughs> um, we had a couple days of winter oh. uh, this year. We had some ice Wow. And snow right before Christmas. Wow. And then it's just sort of, it's teasing us into thinking it's spring, but it's not. It's mm. it's a false spring. <laughs> yeah, <we laughs> it will those. be cold again. Oh. Um, it gets cold and rainy and kind of gray for a little while here, but not near as long as people that live in like Minnesota. Or mm-hmm. I, mar- I married an Iowa transplant. Oh, yeah. And he had a, a major job switch forced on him early, uh, not early on, let's see, uh, 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been married 35 years. And I said, Hey, we could move anywhere with your job. And he goes, I'm not leaving San Luis Obispo. <laughs> I guess of the weather. I go, Oh yeah. He has right. seen what it's like in the Midwest. <laughs> yes. And he's lived in the sunny yeah. California. But there are great people out there. So we love his yeah. family. That's for sure. But we never get to visit in the, um, in the winter. Okay. Enough about weather and placement though. I do want to add this when you go someplace new and you know, no one, what helps you most get planted best? Oh, I would say go find a church or find a place to volunteer. Good. Um, This is how you get to know people. Uh, Take your young children. It's easier to meet people when you have younger children. It is. It is. Because they aren't as worried about who's going to be their friend. If somebody Mm -hmm. is interested in playing the same game that they want to play, they will play with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you get to meet their parents. (laughs) 
Right. So yeah, I found and living in the Nashville area means there's so many people that have been moved that are moving into this area. It's a very, uh, lots of people from like California that say, I don't want to play California taxes anymore. I want to move to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And so there are so many people new to the area. So if you, if I was in a Bible study for women that had recently moved, it, it was the best thing. I got to meet all these people that had so much room in their lives for Mm. relationships and friendships. It wasn't like they were like, you know, I've been here for a while. I've made my friends. I'm good. I don't really have any room in my calendar. No, those people didn't even have someone to write down as their emergency contacts for like registering their kids for preschool. You know, they were like, who do I write down? I just moved from Minnesota and my family is, you know, 13 hours away. They can't be my emergency contact. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, I recently talked to someone who's a military wife and the same thing. They're moving every six months to a year. I mean, that's pretty quick and you don't have time to get roots or make friends. So I think it's harder when you're older and don't have children um, because we have people move here and retire to be close to their married uh, children, but they themselves need friends their own age. So that's why I have lots of coffee parties. Um, You have said, uh, tell me a little bit about what helped you grieve? You have you have said that you really were shocked. And of course, you were when your mom passed away quite young. How old was she yeah. and how old were you? Um, she was 58 years old. Wow. And my I think I was like 30-ish, 31, 30. I was 32, I think, almost 32. Were you still in Minnesota? Yeah. Oh, that was, it was a very, very cold day. Those yeah. are the sorts of days you do not forget. Yeah. And and what happened? Why was it sudden? You didn't know? Was she sick or what? Um, she was not sick. Uh, she had called and said she had a headache, wasn't feeling very good. I assumed she needed a refill on her blood pressure medicine, something like that. Um, she went to the doctor and they said, you know what? Maybe you're dehydrated. Maybe you have the flu. But the headache was real bad. And my dad finally took her into the ER. And wow. Um, in St. Paul, Minnesota, I went to the hospital there and they're like, well, let's do a CAT scan and see what's happening. And they found, uh, a tumor and they're like, well, we'll do an MRI to see what's happening. Um, it doesn't look cancerous. The problem though, is that my mom had had heart surgery, uh, several decades prior and had a heart valve replacement. She ticked. Mm -hmm. It was a mechanical valve. You could hear her click. Wow. Um, but because of having a mechanical valve, that meant she had to be in blood thinner. And so they were like, oh, it could be tricky to go in, even though this is not cancerous. So you are not a real good candidate for surgery when you're on blood thinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you can avoid being on blood thinner, doctors don't put you on it lightly. Um, and so while we were waiting to get her MRI results to see what were happening, we got a call, you know, we got a call from her doctor saying, um, we finally got her MRI results. We had left her in her room and just said, Hey mom, let's let, let's let you let rest. She was so tired. She hadn't been able to sleep very well. And, um, we were, while we were getting, um, the update from the doctor and they were saying, you know what we see, we're going to move her to the ICU because we're a little concerned that there may be some bleeding that happens. And if that happens, she needs to be somewhere where people are monitoring her while we were on the phone. She passed away while we were waiting to get the results. We heard a call code called and you know, um, it was, did you know at the time it was for her? No, I think they do a little thing where they call out numbers, but they don't say the exact room number to not alarm family and friends. Sure, sure. <laughs> so we saw everybody run by us. 
Um, in fact, we took a little break from the, you know, the doctor was like, oh, it sounds like there's a code. Let's wait a second. They're going to call it one more time. And then we can finish talking. So we finished talking. Everybody ran by us. We hung up with the doctor and my dad said- And were you in the waiting room downstairs or something? We were like in just a waiting area. Yeah, okay. just down the hall from where mm -hmm. she was. Um, and so my dad's like, somebody's in trouble. We should pray for them. And oh, we stopped wow. and we prayed. And then we're like, let's go check on mom. And so we walked down the hall, turned the corner and all those people that we had seen run down the hall were standing outside her door. Somebody had checked on her and found her non- not responsive. So she it was had, already, she'd yeah, already the thing gone. That they were worried wow. what might happen because she was on blood thinner. Um, that happened. combination of that and the tumor happened. Yeah. And I don't think there would have been anything they could have done, even if she had been in the ICU hmm. and heart valve. So many decades earlier, huh? I she know, must, life must has been... changed the kind of surgery that has happened between hmm. you know, like 1994 and 2023. It's very different. Um, less invasive, probably not the same sort of mechanical valve, maybe not even having to be on blood thinner, but that's what was available to her at the time. Sure, sure. And it, you know, she needed it and mm. grateful for the time we had with her, but yeah, she had a headache. And then the, within 24 hours of being in the hospital, she was gone. And how often we just have a headache and think, ignore it. Yeah. Not um, me so, when my head hurts real yeah. bad now. <laughs> yeah, it's like I am on my way. I'll drive myself. Yeah. Tell me, uh, so uh, obviously you were impacted and grieving. It was such a shock. I mean, you hear the um, pros and cons of someone dying suddenly, like in a car yeah. crash, or the elongated, uh, you know, waiting a year or two because of chemotherapy or whatever. Mm -hmm. But really, I don't know if there's a good parts version for no, either one. I don't think there is. Somebody really really wise said to me, um, it doesn't matter how old you are when you lose a family member or, or a parent, when you lose a parent, if you're young or old, you feel orphaned. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was such a lovely statement to say, um, there's no good time to lose someone you love. Mm -mm. Um, and I would have wanted more time with her. I wouldn't have wanted her to suffer. No, man, I I was a young mom. Yeah. yeah. I wanted my mom. Right. And yeah, I was not thrilled with God, but I remember like talking to God and saying, okay, I understand bad things happen, God. Um, but I feel like I've met my grief deductible. <laughs> Can we just call it good now? Yeah. Like and this seems like no enough. more problems this after this. Like, I had mentioned that um, I just, I got to be sitting at a dinner with Dr. Diane Langberg because I got really lucky with somebody who, was not able to go to dinner and there was an extra seat at the table and they invited me and she is a long time, very well-renowned therapist in the Christian world. Hmm. And I had mentioned that to her and she said, yeah, but even Jesus, even, even Jesus, God's own son, he didn't get a pass. Mm -mm. I thought, Oh yeah. And thank the Lord that he, and thank the Lord that he didn't say, okay, my grief de deductible has been filled. <laughs> yeah. That's enough. Yeah. Yeah, they were too bad for the rest of you. <laughs> they were rude to me yesterday. And so I'm not going to go to the cross. <laughs> too bad for the yeah. rest of you. Yeah. Uh, it was a long final. journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just walking what, through it all. What counsel could you give to someone listening today who is in that trial right now? Oh, man. Um, you will find the most compassionate people if you sit down next to somebody that has also experienced grief, whatever it looks like, that's where you want to sit. 
that's the table you want to sit at. Mm. Those are the people that aren't going to try to wrap it up with a bow. Uh, they're not going to try to quote you the absolutely true Bible verses that just aren't helpful in the moment. Mm-mm. Yep. And I would tell you, if your mom passes away, if you lose your mama, you're probably going to have to learn how to talk to your dad <laughs> in a way you never have before. <laughs> If you always called home and talked to mom, you're going to have to teach dad how how to communicate mm-hmm. as an adult. It's going to be a little tricky, yeah. but it will be worth it. Yeah. And how old is he? Oh, my dad was born in 1947. So he's mm. in his mid seventies. Mm. Long ways to go. And you know what? We learned to communicate. And part of it is that we went to therapy together. Really? Because he loved me so much. I said, dad, we're struggling a little bit. Um, And he's, we, so he zoomed with me and my therapist, all of us remote. Um, And because he loved me, he's like, you know what? I did not grow up dealing with emotions and talking about them. And he's willing to learn and lean into that. They say, you cannot teach an old dog new tricks, but when the old dog loves their daughter, Sometimes they're willing to go to therapy. Isn't that the sweetest thing? You know, men are, at least I've seen with my husband, they, they show their love in so many different ways. Yeah. And part of maturity is uh, appreciating the way that they do it. And the fact that he was willing to step out and do that therapy for you because he loves you so much. Oh yeah. The most uncomfortable thing for him. And he did it. Yeah. Wow. I bet it was helpful to you as well. Oh, so much. I mean, we had some rough patches even then. And you know, you get done with like a heavy conversation and you just kind of want to lie down and <laughs> pull the covers up. Uh, but the things that are worth it are worth doing the hard things for. Mm-hmm. And that's what relationships are about. You know, mm-hmm. you are willing to have hard conversations. Otherwise it's not a real conversation. And we take turns, you know, flubbing and asking for forgiveness. Well, it's not only uh, not a real conversation, it's not a real relationship, or at least right. it's not to the right. depth. And who that... wants to just talk about the weather? Yeah. Yeah. That's not mm-hmm. fun. Um, what you were saying earlier about sitting at the table with those who've also grieved, and it doesn't matter what kind of grief, it reminds me one time when I was grieving and my brother <laughs> sent me a beautiful letter that we call Hyatt's letter that we I've sent to so many people because it was such a help to me. But at the beginning of this four-page typed letter back in the day when we typed he said, well, I'm hesitant to say anything like Job's friends who were better friends before they opened their mouths. Mm. And sometimes we can be a better friend with our mouths closed and our arms open wide and a donut on the table. Yes. Yeah. Now, um, what, uh, tell us about your podcast, Untangled Faith. Why did you start podcasting and why that name, the beautiful name? Oh man, that's a great question. You have probably asked this question a million times and know that these answers can be hours long, but this is the short version. Sue's Sue's short version. <laughs> I have always been a church girl. I've always loved Jesus. Um, I would say one of my biggest issues though, is that um, if you do the Enneagram or don't, I am a people pleaser and I'm a very strong too which means I just want people to love me. Mm -hmm. I want to be adored. I don't just want you to like me. I want you to love me specially. (laughs) And I know how to do that. It's by following the rules 
Mm-hmm. And I especially want to follow the rules in churches. And I especially want my pastor to love me. And I especially want all those church leaders to give me all the trophies for doing all the things. And I knew how to do that. Um, but losing my mom, I think was one of the first things that helped me realize that you can do all the right things and life can still be really, really difficult mm-hmm. um, and really painful. And then in my young adult life, as I'm growing up, becoming an adult, I realized, you know, there are some things that are really broken in our Christian systems and um, trying to just gain the approval of leaders in our organizations can lead to closing our eyes to people being harmed Mm -hmm. and in the name of Jesus. And I saw, you know, some of that happening. And as a child growing up in the eighties, you know, there was a big emphasis on looking and acting right keeping ourselves ready for the rapture that could happen at any time. <laughs> um, and if we just did the things that, you know, Chuck Swindoll said on the radio and James Dobson said on the next, in the next hour and focus on the family, everything would be fine. Um, but you know, my husband and I met at a Bible college, we loved it. Um, but then, you know, he had some hard situations there that kind of pushed us out of there. We had some hard church situations. We ended up at another Christian organization in middle Tennessee. And, you know, when you work somewhere, you kind of see how the sausage is made as they say, and mm-hmm. we had some really traumatic experiences in the last several years, you know, starting with, you know, we had a pastor, we found out had plagiarized virtually every word of every sermon that he had mm. given. Um, it wasn't just the, the outline of Bible passages. It was like personal stories too. Oh my the goodness. The personal stories he told us were somebody else's. How do they think they can get away with it? Uh, they just assume they can, but lots of people do it and mm. people don't, don't know. I don't know. Um, some people do not care if their pastor pretends to be someone else. Um, I, I think one of the struggles we have, um, is that we don't want to be those who are judging others, yeah, you know, because yeah. the, because Jesus was quite clear, yeah, you know, yeah. judge not lest you be judged. Uh, and yet the difference between judging and discernment is, is huge. And, oh, yeah. and it's delicate because I know people have left our church and they don't tell us why, but mm-hmm. maybe it's because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings Yeah, or it's just hard to have those hard conversations. Yeah. So I think that you had a lot of hard conversations in untangling yeah. these situations. Yeah. Can you- yeah. yeah. My podcast is called Untangled Faith. Yeah. And it kind of was born from all of this thing of like, all right, I, I know I can't just blindly trust and put my hope and my uh, value in being loved by the leaders of organizations that that may or may not be honoring Jesus in ways that we aren't aware of. And But I still love Jesus. I just was realizing that I had also subscribed to some other things along the way that I had bundled up, tangled up with my faith that many of us do that I just hadn't taken for granted. And like so what can you share one? Um, like extra biblical things that are like rules for being a Christian and being a good follower of Jesus. You know, I went to a Christian yeah. college. We had rules against um dancing. Oh yeah, we, we did rules too. against <laughs> playing cards with faces on them or cards associated with gambling. Now, how we got <laughs> away with that is that I never associated my cards with gambling. So I still use them. Yeah. Um, like good Christians don't listen to this kind of music yeah. and 
uh, it's kind of like the Pharisee we, we dress law. a certain way, right? Yeah. And when you really look at Jesus and the Bible, he did not have rules about playing cards, about playing like Liverpool rummy. I did, there was no rules about playing cribbage in the Bible. <laughs> this is my family of origin. Yes. Everybody played cribbage. Um, and just, I grew up with like the, you had to do it. You know, every Christian must vote a certain way. We all have to be in church on Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday night. Mm. Um, I don't even know if Sunday night service even exists anymore, but my goodness, we were there for all mm -hmm. the things, signed up for all the things. And, um, you know, we went to the conferences, we drank all the Kool-Aid of all the things. And I think some of it also was like in that eighties and nineties, a lot of evangelical culture started to adopt a lot of the principles of businesses how businesses grow and like, how can we apply mm. that to our churches? And in some ways it's absolutely wonderful. In other ways, it was really a disaster. Leaving God out of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. And we start measuring success by butts and seats and how much giving is given and because it's harder to measure discipleship and somebody's spiritual formation. How do you measure sanctification? Well, Sue was at church three times this last month, mm -hmm. but how many times did you open your Bible suit? Like, it's just harder to, we measure the things that are easier and then that becomes the things that we value and it can lead to some big messes. So, well, it can also lead to feeling, um, arrogant or proud, but I did, you know, some people are more, are better at rule following at, yeah. you know, spending more time in the word at certain time, no Bible, no breakfast was a saying. I used to think, oh, I, that means I'm not as spiritual because I need to have my breakfast or I need to have my coffee. Uh, yeah. And then he realized that's not scriptural and that mm -hmm. it's okay. Seek first the kingdom of God does not mean that. Right. Um, yeah. And it's its own sort of legalism yeah. and it's own of prosperity. It's, it's its own prosperity gospel. We're totally. Like, if I read my Bible, mm -hmm. I am every day, mm -hmm. I will be more blessed. I will be, you know, like that there is a formula mm -hmm. to becoming like Jesus and it involves all this effort on our part. Uh, it doesn't I, always work in all the different environments. There's nuance there. There is tons of nuance. And when I don't give myself the grace, then I can feel overburdened. I like to say that because I'm spontaneous, I can revel in my spontaneity and not get anything done. Yes. So I think with every person, you have to have some sort of boundaries, but we don't worship the boundaries. Right, right. We worship God. And that's, you know, he, we're, he, we're so frail and he knows it, that he keeps us on this, like, just keep coming back to me, Sue. Keep yes, coming back absolutely. to me, Amy, and you're going to find the truth and you're going to love and you're not going to put your burdens on somebody else. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that I have learned is that I could be wrong. I know this is a shocker, <laughs> but you know, I am a believer and the people that listen to my podcast, most of them consider themselves believers and your listeners as well. We want to follow Jesus. And, and that means we probably have read in our Bibles somewhere and have learned at some time that we have a sin nature mm -hmm. and we, we, we don't question that we've seen it. We have lived it out ourselves. Uh, but we also forget that those say very same people, everyone in the world um, that have sin natures run our Christian organizations and our churches Mm -hmm. which means that 
we our pastors might be wrong sometimes our church leaders might be wrong sometimes those people on the bestseller list also have a sin nature and may be getting some things wrong from time to time so we cannot give unquestioning loyalty and allegiance to anyone that isn't Jesus and you know we say that but sometimes we forget like in reality that when the rubber hits the road if someone comes to you and says I have been in an abusive relationship and you're like, but that person's elite is an elder in the church. Like you have a choice to make in that situation. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like, just take one person's word for it, but there you have an important like ministry opportunity there to lean in and ask the Holy spirit for truth and not just forget about the sin nature thing when it comes to our own favorite communities. I want to back up a little bit. You have said more than once that you love Jesus. That can be a glib statement, but I I think you really mean it. I think you really mean it, but I'd like you to define it. Can it Mm -hmm. be defined? Because when I was, uh, I I was in a Bible school too, and I went to a professor, I said, what does it mean to love God? Because it says here, that's the main commandment. You know, we have all these other rules. We too couldn't see movies. So when I go home for the weekend, I go, well, (laughs) I'm under my parents' auspices, so I'm going to the movies. But um, yeah, I was such a rebel. Uh, so he, you know, cause I was reading, I think it's John 15, you love me, you keep my commandments, which mm-hmm. sounds very legalistic. Of course, it's not how we get to heaven, keeping his commandments, but right. that's his main way to show love. So how would you define you? Do you have a warm, fuzzy love with Jesus or why do you love Jesus or how? I guess some days it might feel warm and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. I would love to use Sky Jatani's uh, phrase of being with spending time with Jesus, being with God and mm-hmm. someone that you love, you spend time with. Yes. And it is that with Jesus that transformed me. Mm. And it's not what I'm doing for him, um, you know, to avoid wrath or to gain something from him, but When you love somebody, you will spend time with them and being with them. And absolutely, it will result in me wanting to do the things that he has said in his word. Um, But it won't be because I'm trying to earn something. Mm -hmm. It'll be the natural outgrowth of, Lord, what does it mean to be with you and to spend time with you? And like we've talked about, like right before you hit record, like if we're going to be Jesus talked about the vine, right? Like abiding in that vine and we'll have that fruit, but it's because we're right there. (laughs) We stay attached. Like we just say, Jesus, how hold on to me, help me hold on to you. Show me what that looks like. Mm, I'm not just a fan of Jesus and him being a good guy. I know I need him more than I admire him. Mm. Does that make any sense at all, Sue? Oh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's something that people have to grow into, though, if they're not used to that phraseology. Yeah. Um, You said something earlier. Let's see. I know I need him more than I what? Admire him. Oh, yeah. Or more more than being a fan. Um, There was a book that came out a while ago called Not a Fan. It's easy to be a fan of Jesus, but not have your life be transformed. You mean like be saying, wow, he's so oh, great. Yeah, yeah he's not, a great guy. Yeah. He does some good things. But- yeah, in Bible, in Bible study last week, we heard uh, from Christy McClellan. He, she said there's a difference between 
uh, believing in Jesus and following Jesus. Oh, she's so great. You know, she lives here in middle Tennessee too. Well, so great. Uh, well, you said earlier that you feel that your that people should, you're sort of preaching here. That's good. Um, People should feel that response. You didn't use the word responsibility, but that's what I heard. Responsibility to lean in and find out what you're hearing uh, where um, someone is in sin and should no longer be in a leadership position. I mean, that's a scary place to be. Um, You probably never wished to be in that situation where you did investigation, because I've heard part of your story on another podcast with Amber. And I thought, what? That does not fit your personality, I don't think. And, no, I mean, you are... no, this is not my dream. <laughs> <It's> not... <laughs> Lord, give this job to someone else. The person that wants all the leaders to love her and adore her. Wow. Um, had to become a whistleblower. Wow. Right? And I had to lean in and be like, if if this is what I think it is, it could cost my husband his job and it could mean... Um, we aren't welcome in a community that I really valued. And I wanted Did your to husband agree me. with you at the same time or did you fight over that? We were together on it the whole wow, time. You know, that's we a blessing. prayed our hearts out over getting it right. You know, when you're like fear that something terrible has happened and that people that are working and operating and saying they're doing it in the name of Jesus are mm. covering up for some really horrible things. You don't want to get that wrong. No, the, the, uh, the cost is high. Uh, the, the collateral damage, if you get it wrong and nobody wants to be that person. Did you get, um, collateral damage besides your husband losing his job? Yeah. I live in a community of many people who are employed by somebody, um, who, has, I would say, and is documented with court records and such has been deceitful and has acted in a way that is very not God honoring. I've spoke up about it, but that means that those thousand families whom I live near see me as a threat to their livelihood. Sure. That's collateral damage. That means they're, they're pastors in this area that would choose this high profile Christian leader over church members because I don't want to pay that cost. And, you know, certain people aren't going to want to be my friend. Uh, I'm not going to be welcome in a lot of places, but in the end, like you talk about legacy, I, my dad says, and somebody famous, I'm sure said this, um, there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. Mm. And I don't want to have to pay the price, but I also want to be able to tell my kids we chose integrity and we chose following Jesus over a paycheck because we knew he'd provide for us. Hmm. Hmm. That's a legacy for your kids. Yeah. And they were old enough to understand. Yeah. Cause our, you know, this was just, you know, 2019 ish and Yeah. My oldest is a senior now and my youngest is in eighth grade. So yeah, they were old enough to understand like, like, Hey, you thought you were going to grow up and work with your dad at this place. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. How long did it take for your husband to get another job? Oh, almost right away. God provided another Mm -hmm. job. Uh, 
I was so confident in God and in my husband's abilities. I wasn't worried about that. It is a miracle. Somebody who really likes comfort and security to be like, sure, we hmm. will quit a job with nothing lined up and it will be fine. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> we just bought a new house. I was like going to ask, month, did you have a mortgage? A months previously, we have yeah. mortgage. We have yeah. a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And for some miraculous reason, I can only say that it was the Holy Spirit and God at work that, that, you know, when they said, you know, you need to decide if you trust us or not. Nathan was like, well, I don't trust you. And they're mm-hmm. like, all right, see ya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. What's next, God? Yeah. What's next? Did you have anybody, especially a woman, I'm thinking, like throwing rotten fruit at you or something? <laughs> you know, I've got some messages sent to me <laughs> saying, you don't understand. Uh, but I under I, I have empathy because I was the person that didn't want to see the hard things. Mm-hmm. I have been that person. I know how our brains try to protect us from things that cost us. Seeing hard, seeing something that is difficult that might cost you something and make you have to make a decision that you don't want to make and that might jeopardize your safety or security or comfort. Our subconscious says, don't look at that. <laughs> you don't want to see that. And our subconscious mm-hmm. is amazing. God created us in an amazing way. That subconscious has protected so many young kids who are being harmed from sure. their brains completely breaking because their little psyches couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. But my you know, 40 something brain at the time, you know, could let a little bit of light in and be like, oh yeah, this is happening. I can't say it's not happening. Um, You you say that uh, you're passionate about following Jesus versus celebrities. I'm sure that came out of this whole situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, And as soon as we're done, everybody's going to run over and and hear your story. (laughs) But, um, I think that's something for all of us to be aware of. I mean, our church has turned into a three location and it's because everybody was driving so far to hear our great teaching pastor, but he doesn't want to be on a pedestal. That's one thing I love about him. You know, one time I was, Mm -hmm. we have an email relationship and I was emailing, I go, how come I have to keep coming back to Jesus? He goes, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. I go, no, why do I have to keep coming? Why doesn't he just (laughs) fix it? And then I answered my own questions because, you know, I'm fallen and I'm proud and I'm arrogant. He goes, yeah, me too. I mean, I love that answer. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Because, um, but there's always that fear. You want someone to be good, but you don't want to be worshiped. Like you want to be an excellent podcaster and me and I'm, I want to be a pretty good one, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but I don't want people to go, wow, you know, and love, love us more than Jesus at that. Yeah. I think. Hey, I think it's a great sign when you have that feeling of like, oh no, somebody listened to my podcast. (laughs) If you feel a little bit uncomfortable with it, or if you're like, oh no, oh, now I had that many people listen and now I'm I'm just feeling a little awkward. I want to lean into that awkward, embrace it Hmm. because we are not meant to be on a pedestal. Mm-mm. We are not meant like Caitlin Beatty wrote that wonderful book that came out celebrities for Jesus. If you have not read it, it is so good. Mm. Um, where she talks about like, you have this influence without you, without any proximity to people and they don't really know you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's be mostly influenced by people that are, have actual proximity to our lives mm. where we can like 
have that donut at the table with them Mm -hmm. and pray with them and see them. Um, And it is fine to read the bestsellers and to like be excited about the new Jenny Allen book. And this is, that's fantastic. But let's let the people that really influence us be the ones that actually have proximity to our lives. Mm. Um, But we can like see kneecap to kneecap, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and keep it all into perspective. Well, Jesus said the way to love him best was to love him and our neighbor. And our neighbor is the people that we can actually see. Like last night, I had had to whisper this, a neighbor was gone, obviously, because her dog started crying at 1230 at night until three in the morning. I changed to two other, two different bedrooms when the barking started. Oh my goodness. I know. So loving your neighbor has to do with very practical proximity type things. And, um, Thankfully, we worked it out this morning. She's a believer. She goes, I'm so sorry. I'll get another dog sitter. But at the meantime, you're going, Lord, am I ever going to sleep again? I have to move to to Tennessee. Well, there are no people compared to California. Um, I mean, those are things. Right right behind me. Following. Yeah, I I locked mine out. (laughs) Um, You know, my podcast is about uh, legacy and you've... I could kind of figure out what your legacy, you've already mentioned a little bit what you want, what you told your kids. And it's so beautiful, but um, what legacy do you want to make sure that your kids and those who love you, like your dear dad uh, know about you? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I've hinted at this. I think the legacy is that following Jesus and doing the right thing is always going to be the best choice. Hmm. Even if it's a hard one. I wish it was something else. <laughs> I wish it was something else. Well, but... if it were something else, you wouldn't have this fantastic, well-listened to podcast <laughs> because other people are hurting too. Well, the Lord, no. the Lord redeems it, right? Like he doesn't say, Amy, I want you to go through something hard so that I can, you can have a podcast. He says, you know, this world is broken. Um, there's free, people have free decision to make, free will to make their decisions. And I am going to always provide a rescue way, a rescue hatch and a way to redeem all the things. If we, if you want it, hmm. I want them to redeem it. I'm like, Let, let's redeem it. Hmm. God, I need you to redeem it. Did it come in the middle of the night? I'm going to do a podcast on this. No, um, I've always loved words. I had a oh. blog for a while where I wrote about different things and then podcasts became a thing. I thought, wouldn't it be fun to talk about the things I talk about on Voxer with my friends Mm -hmm. for other people to listen in on? And it has been, it has been. How do you not throw out the church while throwing out those who abuse in the church? Well, I think if we threw out every imperfect thing, there'd be nothing left. (laughs) So, um, I think we lean into what is a church actually supposed to look like? What does the new Testament say about the church and how can I help create a imperfect place? How can I be a part of an imperfect place, make it less imperfect, less terrible, hopefully. Um, and not every congregation is led by somebody that is purposefully harming people. Mm-mm. Um, there are a lot of people that are faithfully serving Jesus and, you know, I don't want to do the no true Scotsman fallacy fallacy that says, you know, if they're doing, if they're bad, they really aren't of Jesus, but there's some truth to it. 
Hmm. But some of these people that are claiming Jesus aren't really following him. Let's find the places that are, Mm -hmm. and it might not be a flat, a a fancy place. The church Mm -hmm. that you are meant to be planted in and be in community in might be a tiny little church on the corner that you hadn't even considered, Mm -hmm. or it might be a different denomination than the one that you just have felt so frustrated with. Um, Have you, I don't know if you've talked to Tracy Rhodes, but she was on a podcast and she's written a little bit about, um, she wrote a book I think called. I don't remember the name of her book now, but she has looked at a lot of different denominations. And she said one thing that saved her faith was realizing how, even though the way is narrow, there is such a broad, beautiful community of people that follow Jesus with different traditions Mm -hmm. in the Catholic church, in the Lutheran church, in the non-denominational church, in the churches of Christ church, in the, uh, in the mega church, in the super tiny church, in the PCA church that I am currently attending to. I am going to a Presbyterian church for the first time in my life. And God is using it in a way that I would never have thought I was going to be at a church where we, we did a, like a, a liturgy together in a way where we like did a corporate confession of prayer. I grew up in a much more um, contemporary laid back thing, but this is what God is using in my life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he needs to move us out of the comfortable thing that, you know, we're just, don't feel like this is where we're supposed to be because he has a different community for us. But there, I don't, that's Jesus used, has used the church from the very beginning mm-hmm. and I can't give up on it. Jesus mm-hmm. hasn't. Yeah. I get a little frustrated. Those are throwing everything out with you know, the baby out with the bathwater. But again, they're on their own journey and I'm not to judge them. And if they ask me for my opinion, I'll give it, of course. Yeah. Um, but they usually don't ask me. <laughs> I do pray for them though. I, yeah. I really enjoyed reading the, bi- the biography of Eugene Peterson because yes. of his uh, burning in my bones, I think because of his various, I mean, his upbringing is so different than mine. And, um, and he's, he just so loved God. He mm-hmm. so wanted to worship God and you can't really, you may not agree with everything uh, he believed or thought or wrote, but you cannot argue with the passion he has for Jesus Christ. And I thought, well, I would like the same burning in my bones. And how he just invested in that church, his mm-hmm. community. Yeah. For the for, same church. For the long haul. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a fancy church. Oh. Nothing fancy about it. He just yeah. did the work. I have read his book, Under the Unpredictable Plant. And I'm sure he tells some of the same stories and that um, that is shared in his his story of his, his biography, uh, where when he was planting the church, he had to give that report every month to the church planting organization. And he yeah. wondered if they were reading it. And so he started making up all kinds of crazy things oh, yeah. about what he was doing, including like having an affair, which wasn't true. And like, that yeah. he was like doing drugs with the community, like handing out drugs for yeah. communion yeah. instead. Yeah. And then he asked them later, like, like, Hey, this is, how did you feel like it went? And he's like, well, I don't really believe that you read it all. They're like, Oh yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> I said, but what about all those things I said? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love that we can learn from people that we don't completely agree with um, because there are some non-negotiables that we can come together on, right? Like the creeds uh, that Jesus came to save us. You know, we are sinful people. We needed his, the only way to Jesus, only way to God was through Jesus and he provided it. And if we can come together around that and 
not get hung up on a lot of the other things that I think are really getting us distracted in showing our neighbors what that Jesus loves them and has a better way than debating whether we're Calvinists or <laughs> when Jesus is coming back or who we should vote for. Um, there's work to be done if we yeah. can get to it, not get distracted. Which leads to my last question, uh, which is always, how does your life embody the welcoming heart of God? I think one of it is, is having my podcast that just says, Hey, if you are hurt or, or disillusioned in your Christian faith journey, come sit next to me. You don't have to throw out Jesus. I am not going to make you be somewhere that you are not. Um, but I hope that you can see that there is a difference between the people that have let you down and a savior that who will always be there for you. He's not going to leave you. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Well, I know people will want to follow you. Where can they find you, Amy? Well, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find the Untangled Faith Podcast. I also have a website, untangledfaithpodcast.com. And um, I'm not, ridiculously easy, easy to find. Yeah. So not amyfritz.com. No. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much. What a blessing. And I know people will probably be challenged and we'll have to re-listen to this, but that's okay. Our brains need work, especially at my age. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much you. for coming. I'll send you those recipes. Thank you for inviting me, Sue. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Bye. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.